tell a story that you might have heard before. Graphically novel, but the same old trouble. Villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello, and welcome to another episode of Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri, and with me here is my, oh, Jesus, Santa Claus to my tax, to my hero? Oh, no. <laughs> yes, Santa Claus is the villain. Either it's that fair. Or, either that or I'm your happy. Ooh, it's true. You are wearing blue right now. Yeah. It's bare. And once again with us. Yes. Back because she had to be. By popular yeah, this episode. I love this graphic novel. I <laughs> love this show. Yes. Oh my God. So much. Today we are talking about the show and the graphic novel Happy. Kind of a breakaway surprise hit. I think most people went to it because Patton Oswalt was in it. There are some shows that I will not be the impetus to watch. And that's very rare in our relationship. I choose most of what we watch just because... I don't care. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But this was a show that we saw trailers for, and I think it was also because of Christopher Maloney, who I am not familiar with. Huge fan. The trailers for the series were terrifying and graphic and weird and right up my alley. (laughs) We will get into that in one second, but to start with, let's say... Horses don't have feathers? Horses do not have feathers. I think the only other was Umbrella Academy, where I had not read the graphic novel beforehand. And in fact, Happy the graphic novel was a Christmas gift for Jen. Yes. Because she loved this series so much. But the writer and artist of this are goddamn powerhouses when you're talking about graphic novels. And that part, I can tell you. Are we telling this one explicit? Yes, probably. Okay. Oh, we have to. That is holy shit. <laughs> I, am, I apologize. I'll have to add something to the note later. But this is my second podcast on happy. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I spent two hours talking about happy. So I will try to limit myself today since we only have half an hour. But Grant Morrison did this. And that might not be a name that is familiar to the two of you. Grant Morrison did one of my favorite runs of X-Men called New X-Men. Grant Morrison did a graphic novel called Arkham Asylum, and he had Dave McKeon do all the art for that in an Arkham Asylum-based, written by the guy that wrote Happy, and the art art is by Dave McKeon, so that is probably one that we're going to have to pick up pretty soon. It doesn't have a media component, so it won't be a show, but wow. I'm definitely going to have to read that, because this was sweet Jesus. (laughs) And we have plugged this when we did our preacher episode about how much this book changed you. I haven't <laughs> seen this level of OMFG since I saw the Hulk on his testosterone-induced rampage in the Ultimates. 
Holy shit. Before we get into that, though, I do want to talk about the artist for this, and I very rarely talk about artists other than to credit them. But Derek Robertson is one of my absolute favorite artists, and I am not the art person on this podcast. That person is definitely... 100% Jen, the background in art and everything. But Derek Robertson, he was the artist that did Transmetropolitan, which is my 100% favorite graphic novel series of all time. No media for it, even though for a long time in the late 90s into the early 2000s, Patrick Stewart was trying to get it done himself so he could play Spider-Jerusalem. Oh, sweet. Yeah. We've discussed Warren Ellis a little bit during Preacher because we compared him to Garth Ennis a little bit as the bad boys of graphic novels. But I'm just going to take this moment to say if you liked the art in Happy and you want to see another crack mad writer, give him some amazing material, pick up Transmetropolitan because Jesus it may be a little rough when it gets into the political stuff, if you are left-leaning and living at all in the United States today, but it's great. And Derek Robertson also has done things like the Nightcrawler series. He is a huge fan of the X-Men. He's done a lot of X-Men stuff. He's just one of my favorite artists. I love his aesthetic, and I love his style. And in Happy especially, he really brings that to the forefront. We talked in our Archie episode about how the comic came first and then they cast it, and how, man, they just found people that looked exactly like who was in the comic. Kind of the same with Happy. Obviously, they animate Happy, but you look at the character of Nick Sachs, and that's really close to Christopher Maloney. It's almost as if they had him in mind. He's just a little too clean for me. The comic book... Straight up reminds me of when I was reading this graphic novel. It must have you guys at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. At night like, pretty much when we were going to sleep. Holy shit. I, you guys are probably in bed, but damn. This straight up reminded me of Sin City. Ooh, yeah. Good comparison. We gotta do Sin City. Yeah, I haven't read the graphic for that. Oh, that Man. Some good stuff. That's but, another Frank Miller. Yeah, the movie Sin City, and not the second one, just like the first one. Right. That is this to a T. I've got this thing that I'm doing. I will kill my way through people until I get there. Holy shit. So once again, we talked about Preacher last episode, you and me, Bear, and we talked about how bloody it was. And I think I said that that was the bloodiest TV show I've ever seen. And I had forgotten about Happy. And then there was Happy. (laughs) I had completely forgotten about Happy. I think the two of them will give a good run for each other on the amount of graphic violence. But again with Preacher... We talked about the campiness and how it was Tarantino-esque. It was... Oh, yeah. It's completely off the rail. Man, happy. But you also have a cartoon horse in both the graphic novel and the show. But before we get into that, Jen, talk a little bit about the graphic novel and your experience. I find interesting in both is that our hero is not a hero. Oh, totally anti-hero. The villains are super interesting. I mean, super interesting, especially if you're into horror, serial killer, really mentally unstable (laughs) villains. Happy is your jam. But all of the white girls that watch the serial killer Netflix specials. I mean, all the ones that I know that watch that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) In both the graphic novel and the series, they do a really good job of 
showing all of the characters, and they're all awful. Oh, yeah. They're nope. all terrible. There is not a good There's person. Nothing, there is nothing redeemable about any of those characters. And that's been kind of a, a theme as we go through all of these graphic novels. There have been several that we talk about this aspect. Ultimates and Avengers, Jessica Jones. We talked about it in the Preacher episode. Even in Preacher, there was elements of even like Cassidy that were redeeming. Right. But really, there's really not much <laughs> in Happy In the show or the graphic right? novel. These are all terrible motherfuckers. <laughs> we have spent seven episodes at this point talking about how you need to put somebody being redeeming in a show. Not the case anymore. Yeah. The only character that is somewhat redeeming is Happy. Voiced by the patron saint of geeks. <laughs> Pat fucking Oswald. Well, but also Haley. Okay, that's true. Yeah, but it's hard to make a kid. In the show, Haley is kidnapped by Santa Claus. Right. All of the other kids that she's with will do whatever he tells them to do, even when she tells them that he's going to do something terrible to them, the Santa Claus guy. But does that make the kids unlikable? Some of them were. So maybe they aren't unlikable, but the only reason that you care about what's happening to them is in a more general sense. These people's humans right, human rights are being taken away. But as individuals, you don't give a fuck. It's a terrible thing to have yes. that happen to them. But you don't care because they're not willing to take the risk that Haley's willing to take to try and... I'm going to English major on this. Is that because Haley's a main character and all of these other kids are side characters? It's an argument that during the Preacher episode, where we talk about in the comic, Tulip is an airhead white girl... Nobody cares. And I know you've seen the series of Preacher and not read the comic. Thinking about that, Tulip is not even a supporting character. She is this damsel in distress the entire time. In the graphic novel. The show makes her a badass. But that's the thing, is can you judge those characters the same way? Can you judge a main character the same way that you judge a supporting character? In this instance, yes, because it's not that they're a supporting character. They're in action Mm -hmm. and basically willing to be sheep to turn their bellies up to be slaughtered, is my point. None of them are willing to go with her. To use as an example for how Haley is a badass. Well, and I think in the series, you actually only see other kids twice. Maybe They're all in the boxes. They're there, yeah. And then in the classroom, that classroom scene happens over several episodes. Let's talk about Smoothie. Let's talk about show versus comic. Again, in Umbrella Academy, hearkening back to an older episode, we talked about how in a graphic novel you only have a certain amount of time. Happy, the graphic novel, which, by the way, this is the only graphic novel. This is it. So you're looking at... I thought maybe 40 pages. Yeah, personally, I thought they made that... This is not volume one. That's it. That's it. That's all they have in a graphic novel. So, you have the advantage of a TV series. We went over that kind of in Umbrella Academy. Baron, you and I talked about that a little bit with Preacher, about how you don't have as much time to flesh out what you need to flesh out. Yeah, unlike where a lot of people will complain about 
if there's a book, if you watched, say, The Lord of the Rings, and they're like, oh, there's so much stuff that they left out of the movie. My example, but, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Jurassic Park, my absolute favorite scene, they didn't add until the, the second or third movie. It's when they're floating down the river and they go next to the sleeping Tyrannosaurus. And then they go right from that into the pterodactyl dome and they're attacked and swooped by pterodactyls neither of those scenes were in the original jurassic park they were in the original book as a kid i did not understand you do not have that amount of time this is the step down from that now we've got a tv series we've got a lot more time and space and energy to do stuff with especially if we want to get a second season out of it we want to milk it for more episodes as opposed to that book to movie thing i'm probably out of the three of us the biggest podcast nerd but there's one called the rewatchables where there's some people that go back to classic films that they remember from their childhood and is it still rewatchable and whatever but one of the questions that is asked is would this movie be better as a netflix series and there are so many things now that 10 years ago that wasn't an option so you had to cram it into a at that point two and a half hours Dances with Wolves was three hours, and people were losing their minds about how long that movie was. Now, we'll sit down and watch ten episodes an hour apiece of something, and it's a binge, yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't do that in a theater. Uh, The theater, I don't have access to inexpensive alcohol, a A pause button, button and a bathroom, (laughs) and delivery services on my cell phone for food dealing with our first graphic novel that is only the one and done. Is it unfair to compare the amount of detail in the show to the graphic novel? Potentially. Did you enjoy the graphic novel less than you enjoyed the series? I kind of feel like that's an unfair question because I really, really love it. So I did. I did enjoy the graphic novel, and I found myself thinking about the expanded scenes that they couldn't do in the graphic novel they did in the series. 100% agree. And there's a lot of character development that they do for Happy in the series. They don't even come close to touching on it in the graphic novel, which I think was fantastic. I think there's a few things that I'm still waiting for from the series that happened in the graphic novel. There's the scene on the train. Mm. I want that scene on the train to happen so bad. I want to see how Patton Oswalt makes Happy react to, listen, the world sucks. Yeah. Well, and they did that a yeah. little bit, because he breaks Happy down in the series. Oh, yeah, he absolutely does, but I want that full final. Yeah, no, he like, doesn't get want... as bad as he does in the graphic novel. I don't know. The scene where he's with the imaginary friends of... Okay, of you're, Mr. that's Blue's right, yeah. Son. You're led to that scene by the imaginary friends anonymous meeting. There's a lot that goes on in the series that kind of covers that. Uh, in the series where they're stuck in traffic on the bridge heading back, I think that kind of covers, I think that's as close as I'm going to get to the train scene. Uh, I will say the train scene in the graphic novel is just because it is so abrupt. And I think in the series, they really wanted to stretch out how horrible Jax is to Happy and how it just wears him down after several episodes. In the graphic novel, he does horrible things before, but the train scene is it. And it's all of it in one. It's very concentrated. And because it's not just Jax messing with Happy's head. Right. 
Sex. Sex. Sorry. Sorry. I'm thinking of Mortal Kombat. I don't know what you're thinking of, but you're not thinking of happy. You could take control from this point on in this show. It's all you. The one thing that I did miss in the graphic novel was Haley's mom and the development of that character, because that's completely missing in the graphic novel. Well, in her relationship with Sax, which is really a great cornerstone of that series, it's really the dramatic anchor to what's happening is him being a father and him actually having cared about this person. In the graphic novel, his breakdown is he's a shining example of what a... It's the same thing in the series. But the reasoning was different. So 20 seconds, if you don't want to be spoiled. In the graphic novel, it's because he's just worn down by the job. So he starts just not caring and doing things that are very destructive. In the series, the job is wearing him down, but the reason the job wears him down is because how much he cares about it. Life. And yeah, I can give you that. He comes to the realization that he can't protect her. He cannot stop anything terrible from happening to her. So instead of just facing up to that and saying, okay, I'm going to do the best I can, he just goes off the deep end and becomes very destructive to himself, to his relationship, to his job, to everything. Oh, he takes the classic fallen paladin to a new level. He goes straight from. Shining Pinnacle to, no, yep, Blackbeard right here, just traded all those levels in. The other difference that I saw in the graphic novel, he has how many heart attacks? Stop right, happens, right. And he keeps going on. But in the series, you're like, is there something kind of supernatural? What's going on with this guy? Yeah. How is he able to survive it's, all of this? It's almost like Crank, <laughs> where he keeps having to have no, adrenaline and almost to that level by the end of the series. That's why I say it's very much Sin City, because yes. you have the Bruce Willis's character keeps taking bullets, he, he ends up in the hospital, let's put him back together real quick. Now he just, boom, picks himself back up and he's out the door, butt naked. Probably the scene that made me say, and this was in the first episode, where he's in the hospital after having a heart attack, and Smoothie comes in to torture him to get information, and... You have an uncomfortable attraction to Smoothie, by the way. I, I love Smoothie. Smoothie's amazing. He is so psychotic. It is amazing. I'm marrying that, everyone, by the way. <laughs> so Smoothie is about to do horrible things to this man's penis. And he's just, oh, that really sucks. Completely removed, as you expect <laughs> well, him to be. Well, that's going to take you a while, so. He is so self-destructive that he doesn't care about yes. being tortured. And that creates a weird symbiotic relationship between Nick Sachs and Smoothie. Because Smoothie's like, wait a minute. I mean, I like to torture, but part of what I like about torturing is the reaction Is I that get. people get scared. Right. And he doesn't seem and, to care. Yeah, and that's a theme in other serial killer type movies, too, is you don't want to be the troll. Don't give them what they want. Mm-hmm. I personally felt that differences between the graphic novel and the movie is... Hey, Crank is a good analogy for the series. I also went with, it's like Fight Club on acid. Yeah. Without this, take the seriousness out of Fight Club and just go around punching and killing people. <laughs> happy as Tyler Durden makes me so happy right now. Yeah. I, in, in, the, in the graphic novel, Happy is Jiminy Cricket crossed with Navi from Legend of Zelda. 
Well, hey, listen, <laughs> listen, hey! Well, Happy doesn't touch on the whole children's television... Kids show theme. Not in there. The entirety of the Mob Family reality TV show, which is a huge oh, yeah. part Fantastic. of the actual... It introduces extra characters, and it introduces some fan fantastic actors into that world because the graphic novel is just kill four people move on he was supposed to kill three, three. killed and, four and the other thing that i want to point out as a difference is because of the lack of the tv children's television show idol the build-up of what santa's doing with the kids is kind of a letdown it's a different path so in the graphic novel, it's this live stream thing mm-hmm. with these kids. But on the show, it's so much more terrifying because what are they going to do with we these kids? We don't know. We actually have it. A series has really only gotten maybe two-thirds of the way through the graphic novel. No, I think it's gotten pretty close. The graphic it. novel for this plot was encapsulated in the first yeah. season. But there are details that are left out that you could possibly use second season and beyond. And full acknowledgement, we have only watched the first episode of the second season. No, I haven't watched any of the second season. I didn't even realize it was the second season. Oh, yeah. Sure <laughs> is. Bad. Bad yeah. fair. But Grant Morrison is writing the series as well. The series is going to be the continuation of this graphic novel, which is the first time that we've seen that on this show. Everything else, we're introducing you to a graphic novel that you can move on and read more. But there is the potential if Grant Morrison is involved with the TV show, it could be like a Neverwhere situation where an additional graphic novel is written based on the show that the second season. I would even call that an American Gods situation because Neil Gaiman is writing another novel for American Gods because he got the deal for the TV series. Oh, that's going to have to be another episode because... Oh, American Gods? American Gods, Neverwhere. We'll just do like a whole season of Neil Gaiman. Dude, we will do a month. (laughs) You can can just sit and record. (laughs) American Gods, Neverwhere, Stardust. Yeah. I guess I can't ask our regular question of, do you want to keep reading this? Pretty sure both of you would say yes. If if he makes more, if he writes more, I will read more. This was amazing. Were you more into the comic, or when you got into the series, were you more into that? Uh, Because I remember you guys tried to show me the series first, before I ever read the comic, and I was just like, okay, well, I'll read the comic. And then I read the comic, and I OMFG'd it, then went back and watched the series and I think they're two different things. The TV series is very much like Fight Club or Crank, whereas the graphic novel, in my mind, is definitely like a Sin City. And I think they both have their place, and I think they both get to the same headspace, but one is definitely more dark than the other, and I love them both for the ride they take me on. I really feel like the series is going more in a David Lynch area. Because it's like, there's so many things that you see, and you're like, did I just see that? Was that a thing? Is that, that could not actually happen in real life, right? That happened in the series more than once. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like what they're doing with the series is 
more David Lynch, but I also was thinking of Dirt Gently, which I saw after I saw Happy. Right. The series right. All of these things where people just go through their lives and all of this is happening around them and they don't see it. But that was the problem with David Lynch's stuff when it happened. David Lynch was... Wait, there was a problem with David Lynch's stuff? Yes, voice guns. <laughs> Okay, if we're going to get into your Dune obsession, <laughs> Jason, those voice guns sucked. I'm talking about when it comes to mass appeal. The 20, 30 years ago, that was the problem, was you had to spell things out. We talked a little bit about this during the Archie and Preacher episodes, you and me, Bear, where we're talking about how things need to be simplified sure. to a point. But we are in a renaissance right now where... There are a lot of programs that came out of source material, like Happy, that you have to take a leap of faith. And I'm going to take umbrage with you right now, because I don't think things should be simplified. That offends me, because why should everything be simplified to the lowest common denominator? I think that there are things out there that should exist as they are created, like David Lynch movies, like Happy, like the series for Happy. It's not for everyone, and everything shouldn't be for everyone. To simplify it makes it more base, and it doesn't appeal to me because of that, if it were to be simplified. I think what I'm saying is I am not the type of person that watches a movie over and over and over again. There are movies that I will watch more than once because they're so dense, and they're complex, and there's stuff going on that you don't notice. So you want to watch it more than once, and you notice new things about it. And I feel like Happy is kind of that way as well. I went back and watched the first two episodes of Happy before I did the other podcast, just so it was fresh in my mind, because it had been a while since I had seen it. And I was, oh yeah, I remember this. I'm like, I never noticed that before. That's the kind of thing that I choose to watch because I like that there's more to unpack than I can recognize in one viewing. That's Cabin in the Woods for me. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods is a brilliant movie where Joss Whedon completely deconstructs the horror genre, but there are things in the background that you're not going to get on the first go. The best movies and series do that west wing to this day uh, and especially i especially this day uh, but i've watched that series just in the six years that we've been together i've watched it through three times at least at least yeah and i'm still picking up stuff i'm different on that aspect is i'm being a tv and movie guy i do rewatch things over and over again i constantly rewatch stuff i can't even tell you the number of times i've rewatched all the harry potter movies i haven't finished all the books by the way i'm working on it i rewatch movies over and over but if it catches my interest from the beginning i've Probably purchased it. That's what I do in my spare time. I will rewatch these movies over and over again. The lines that I can quote from <laughs> just miscellaneous junk. This is one of those series that originally I was like, mm, no, but I'm going to come back and burn through this again and again just because it's that good and it's that something that needs to be ingrained in me. So is Happy that series for you? The TV series? Yeah. I appreciated the graphic novel over the series, but the series was still a fun ride. Jen? I like the series better than the graphic novel. I really like the graphic novel, but I think the series had a lot more that I didn't even get into at all, even though we went over. 
there's so much more about the series that I really like. This has been a very long episode of Graphically Novel. So glad that you guys all came and joined us. Want to give a big shout out to Vandello, who did our theme song, VandelloBand.com. They are awesome. You can find us on GraphicallyNovel.com. You can find us on Twitter at GraphicallyNovel. Remember the two L's. And then, Bear? Yeah, we've got a Facebook, too. Are you on it? Uh, should be by the next episode. <laughs> Jen, are you on the Facebook? I am on the Facebook. You have been on the Facebook, so yeah. our part-time host, doing better than I have right. a bio. I am publicly shamed. This has been Graphically Novel, and take it away, Vandello. Maybe it's right, but you don't want to see my back.